Pod and Witchlings. And I'm Kat Cho, author of Takumi Duology and Once Upon a K-Prom. And this is Ride or Die. So due to our hectic schedules this week, we were not able to record a pre-chat segment of this episode, but we are super duper excited to present our interview with best-selling and award-nominated author-illustrator Wendy Shu. We hope you enjoy. This week's guest is Wendy Shu. They are an award-nominated Brooklyn-based illustrator and comics artist with three upcoming graphic novels from HarperCollins. She's the co-creator of Mooncakes, a young adult fantasy graphic novel published in 2019 from Lion Forge Comics, Oni Press. Her work has been featured on Catapult, Barnes & Noble, Sci-Fi, Fantasy Blog, and Tor.com, among other places. And as we are recording this, her newest graphic novel, Tide Song, just came out. Woo-hoo. Wendy, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. This is so fun. Yay! Um, We're yay. so excited to have you on. Yes. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we usually ha- mostly have prose authors so we're like so stoked to be able to pick your brain about it being an illustrator and a comics artist and all that stuff because Clarabelle and I are both huge 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 graphic novel uh, fans so this is going to be really fun for us (laughs) yeah I was just yelling at Kat to bring me the graphic novels that I (laughs) let her borrow like two years ago and she still has so it was pre, it was pre Panini and it wasn't safe to travel to you. <laughs> That's my excuse. Fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Wendy, do you do you want to tell us how you got into publishing? What was your journey like to you know find your agent to get your first book deal? All of that. We want to know all the details. Yeah, sure. So, um, I have been drawing comics since I was a kid but I kind of got a little more into it in college. I was part of uh, the comic book club at NYU, had this like fake rivalry with the sci-fi club that met like at the same time in the same uh, common or the same like student union kind of building, um, which was like the stupidest rivalry ever. <laughs> but um, I started drawing comics for like our comic book li- club publication. I took a class on um, writing comics and I actually interned at Marvel during the summer, um, during one of my summers in college. And um, at Marvel, I got like kind of a a crash course on how um, it's like the the direct market. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's on on how the direct market works. yeah, comics publishing has changed like immensely in the past 10 years. Uh, so after my internship at Marvel, um, I always knew I wanted to do something in publishing. I feel like in art as a career uh, after graduation, but I didn't really know what. So I did like a bunch of kind of admin odd jobs. I worked at a law firm. Uh, for civil rights litigation, because, like, I very briefly considered going to law school. I worked the desk at, like, a theater school, studio rental place. Um, I worked at an acupuncturist's office one summer. Um, I had, like, a meltdown in her office, because I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. And oh, she was no. so, so, <laughs> so 
nice about it. Um, I think it was because she was like an auntie and I had to, I don't know, just like something like weirdly psychological about having to like have a meltdown in front of an auntie. You know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started putting my comics like on Tumblr back in 2012 when I first graduated college. Um, and it was like, I feel like the internet is so different now. Like, uh, when I was on Tumblr, there wasn't all of this stuff with, like, the way they formatted their algorithms. So I, I feel like it was a lot easier to uh, get noticed as a smaller account, like, as a smaller artist. Um, but my stuff started circulating a lot on Tumblr, and that's when I really started. I was working at Planned Parenthood at the time, um, as doing, like, data entry. And um, I started thinking that, like, maybe I could do this as a job a little bit more seriously because I got so many notes on Tumblr, which, as we all know, does not necessarily translate to, um, to like, a book deal or whatever. But it really made me think about, like, what would it take to get me published, um, you know, for real or not for real, because a lot of people do self-publish, like, webcomics and stuff, but, like, what would it take to get my book printed the traditional way? Um, how would I do that? Um, and I got a... I, I applied, so I decided the best way to do that would be to learn about, like, the publishing industry by working in it. Um, so I applied for a ton of jobs, and I landed on one in 2014 at um, JLG, Junior Library Guild, which was curating um, graphic novels and YA and like middle grade titles. Um, So I worked on curating the young adult fantasy lists and I also worked on curating like all the graphic novel lists. And in the time I was there, uh, oh my God, the graphic novel lists went from having like nothing to choose from because publishers were doing almost no comics back uh, even five years ago to ha- to by the time I left in the fall of 2019, like actually I, it's like pretty much my two year anniversary of leaving um, an office job to do art full time, which is so crazy. Um, but when I left, there were just so many coming out and it just like kind of exploded in the last five years, which is so cool to see. Um, but during the time I was at JLG, I decided um to do like a web comic. So that's how, um, so uh, my friend Suzanne was moving back to Chicago and that's how we we decided to do a web comic together and that's how Mooncakes got started. Um, I actually really wanted to pitch like a different uh, fantasy project. Um, at first, like I had these grand aspirations to do um, this like, fan- this like, YA fantasy retelling of the king and I but like as a comic and with like dragons whoa Um, that sounds intense (laughs) I know like really really big ambition for my first for like a first project right um by this time so so through these like publishing circles um because of my work at JLG I got to know like a bunch of different authors by going to their events um, because I would, at JLG, since we we did reviews, like, I would get to read arcs and stuff. So by the time I, um, so by the time 
their book came out, like I would be able to go to the event and I um, started meeting a lot of people. Like, you know, thankfully that's one of the perks of living in New York. Um, <clears throat> and then um, through a lot of these um, author connections, I started meeting like agents who were at these events um, and agents in these like Facebook groups. And that's how I met uh, Linda, my agent, who was really awesome. And um, yeah, it was, it's really funny because I actually did have an agent before Linda. Um, and I got that agent just like I met one of their agency assistants at a coffee shop when I was drawing and this girl Jess like noticed what I was doing, which was just like one of those crazy weird you know kind of New York moments yeah that sounds like a, a movie <laughs> right and I I thought it was gonna be a movie I was like wow this is so great like I've been discovered um I'm gonna make it but then things you know with that agent uh did not end up panning out which is like fine you know that happens but um but after that agent I was like well maybe I don't need an agent because like I knew a lot of cartoonists <clears throat> from the old school um the older generation who didn't have agents. But then all of the aunties in book publishing were like, oh no, like if you wanna do, you know, book publishing, especially comics right now, like you need an agent. So that's how I met up with Linda. And I'm very glad I did because like now, whenever people ask me um, what is like, you know, a piece of advice for like a young person to get into publishing or whatever, I'm like, oh my God, please just like get an agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah, so we started pitching, um, we started pitching like this fantasy project, which didn't go anywhere. Um, even though I'd actually had some interest from Oni Press who published Mooncakes eventually. And then, um, and then that didn't go anywhere. And I was like, actually really bummed, but Linda suggested pitching Mooncakes cause she's smart and amazing like that. And so we did. And like, that became <coughs> my, um, my debut comic. And um, after we pitched Mooncakes, so like we pitched Mooncakes and then simultaneously, um, I was like, well, I should start working on like something else in case it doesn't pan out. Um, so a bunch of publishing aunties were like, why don't you try middle grade? Um, since you love Studio Ghibli so much, it sounds like you'd be like really well suited to writing it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But then I was like, <laughs> okay, I will, I'll try. Um, so we kind of, uh, Tide Song was a preempt, which meant that um, Alex, my editor, was actually like really interested in um, working on it with me. So she could, so it would be like a really strong acquisition. Mm -hmm. um, so I like was working on that pitch for like quite a few months while I was simultaneously um, working on Mooncakes. And when Tide Song went out, I was like, I have to have another thing lined up in case Tide Song doesn't work out. <laughs> so I started writing a pitch for um, the book I'm currently working on. And um, when they offered on Tide Song, that pitch was actually like just about ready to go out. So um, Harper asked to see that first before uh, anyone else. So we offer, so we let them look at it first. And then they were like, well, we want to buy this too. So it turned into a three book deal, which was amazing. So cool. I remember when 
that whole thing was announced. It was so cool. Such a big deal. It felt really exciting. Um, I feel like whenever you follow somebody for a while online and then you see them sort of like blow up, it's just so much cooler. Like, I don't know. It's like you're, you, you, you were a little part of that journey. You got to see it sort of unfold. Um, but even with Mooncakes, I remember when it came out and I think it was like either Book Con or Book Expo, they like sold out or everyone was like really excited about getting it. It was, it was, it's been cool to see. Yeah. I feel so lucky in that, um, I, I feel so lucky that like both Oni and Harper have been really supportive of, um, of me. Like I, I, I know that's, you know, definitely not the case for, um, other folks. Like, you know, we've all heard those stories. <laughs> yes. But yeah. yeah. I, I feel, I feel so lucky. Um, but yeah, my my goal has always just been to like write the best book I can. Um, I honestly never expect anything, and um, you know, as long as the kids in my life like it, namely my nibbling, uh, that's all that <laughs> <laughs> that's all that really matters to me. Um, I know that sounds really corny, but yeah, no, it doesn't. I think that's a really good attitude and approach to have because the goalposts are always moving in publishing. So if you have like a constant that you're working on toward working towards for yourself, I think that's a good way to like sort of stay anchored and not just be chasing the next thing constantly um, with like no satisfaction ever, like never appreciating what you do have. Um, so in terms of, like querying and finding representation for comics and illustrations. Can you explain the process um, that you went through sort of in, like, uh, like more, the more technical parts of it for anyone who is listening and is trying to get an agent, like what should they be doing? What should they not be doing? Yeah, sure. Um, So if you're pitching a comic, I mean, I know that comics are really hot right now, right? So you, so you might have already gotten like editor interest from like a publisher, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, you might have gotten agent interest. Um, and if you get editor interest, like that's definitely a good sign and you should definitely use that in your query email to say like, hey, so-and-so at such and such house is already interested in pursuing this. So the agent will know that they have like at least a very strong shot at like a a deal pretty much off the bat um like I honestly feel so lucky because um Linda was kind of new to agenting just as I was new to publishing and we both took a chance on each other Mm. um but yeah I will say to like weigh your options um, and to know, like, if one agent is interested, you know, other people will also be interested, most likely. Um, never, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. And if you are, like, just out of practicality, the best way to, if you're cold querying, you should have a really strong pitch ready. You should have what's called a pitch package. Um, and that includes things like a synopsis of your graphic novel, like a short, like it should start with a short maybe two to three sentence um, quick pitch. Um, It should include all the sample art you have already. I think the industry standard currently is 15 finished sample pages of what the comic is gonna look like. So um, everyone can have an idea 
Um, so the agent can have an idea and so the acquiring editor can also have an idea. Um, you should have like a character sheet of uh, all your characters like and a little profile describing um, who they are and how, what role they play in the story. Um, you should have a longer synopsis, maybe, oh, I don't know, like a couple hundred words at least, kind of like a very detailed outline of your story. And then um, there should be a little marketing section with um, comp titles. Uh, it doesn't have to be like a crossover of X and X, which I, you know, personally, I don't really like. Um, but there <laughs> should be at least... I don't know. I, just, I But there should be at least, like, this will appeal to readers who like, um, you know, X comic. Uh, and it should, should be at least, there should be at least, like, a handful of comic titles in there. Like, if you're comping to, like, if you're pitching um, a prose book, you wouldn't necessarily comp to, like, a video game if, because, like, there is some audience crossover. But I, th I feel like you would want the marketing folks to know that there is, like, an audience in the market you're trying to reach um and I mean you can you know cite video games and movies and like certain um like aesthetic pieces of media that you enjoy um but there should definitely be some uh comics titles in there um and if, if it's manga like that's fine I think a couple of, like I think editors these days should be getting more attuned to like the manga market um and there should you know be a, a section about yourself and uh, I usually include like concept art um I include like a, a cover sheet for my pitch package so it looks kind of like um so there will be like a nice cover illustration um and you know you I do it as a pdf I know some people do it as like a slide deck. There is no one right way to do it, but it has to be organized and it has to um, look polished. Um, and I mean, you can include you can include sketches, but uh, in terms of the the pages for your pitch deck, um, they should be like as close of an approximation to the final art that you want it to be. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how you cold pitch an agent. Like, of course, there are query contests um, on Twitter and everything, but I really do think I don't. I don't know. I'm you guys. I'm not, I'm not a showy person. <laughs> so you know, one. So it sounds like you know you have a pitch deck. So it sounds like you're not completely like drawing the whole entire graphic novel before you query an agent is that correct no oh my god um the graphic novel is like if you have um like part of a script that's totally cool you should at least have a cohesive outline um but the sample pages are there so that they can see kind of your technical skill and your style and what you're gonna bring to the table um but like, like I, I think because graphic novels take so long to make, the art's like absolutely going to change in the finished product. Um, but you just want to make sure that they know that, like, yes, I can, you know, draw things. <laughs> that's that's totally fair. So it's so graphic. The graphic novel world is like queried and sold completely on proposal. Then 
Yes. Yeah. It's a proposal essentially. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Like we were talking, I forget how many episodes ago about like the life of like selling prose books on mm-hmm. proposal and how yeah. like that has slowly killed Clarabelle and me <laughs> the yeah. last year. So it the sure fact has. that like, like the fact that like you have to live this life constantly I have such respect (laughs) especially as uh, illustrating because like I will say that of all the things that I've sold on proposal my the graphic novel has probably been the easiest for me because I've had to write the least but the person who did the heavy lifting was Rose the illustrator like they're still working on it to this day so I think the artist is really the one who's like doing the hardest job for sure i'm just like la 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 my little stupid words (laughs) and the artist is like okay out of my way now absolutely that's why i get so frustrated when when people are like no put me like in big letters on the cover and oh no 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 illustrated by and dinky little letters like that makes me very angry (laughs) ah yeah I think that's so super rude and also delusional because like people who can do art just that's real talent like could you imagine no no. (laughs) (laughs) well so spe- speaking of that, you know, there's such an overlap between the art, like the illustrator art artist world and the publishing, like even prose publishing world, like, if only because, you know, illustrated covers are really huge, or like, we like concept art, or we like to get character art or anything like that. But I think that, you know, you're in an interesting position. I've seen you talk about this on social media, Wendy, of kind of advocating like, hey, you know, have respect for the people making these illustrations. Um, so what, like, you know, because we do have majority prose fiction authors that listen to this podcast. So if there was like a piece of advice or like something that you kind of wish authors were doing more to like give the give the due, you know, respect to illustrators, like, what would that be? Am I allowed to swear? Yes. (laughs) Yes, Yes, you're allowed to swear. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) I mean, like, like, I'm trying to say it nicely, but, like, you know, I think Melinda Lowe did this very cool thing where she had a credits page and last night at the Telegraph Club and um, I really wish I think that's like a new thing but I really do wish that was more of a thing and I think for my next book I'm about that because like publishing is a team sport right mm-hmm. like someone someone made you that cover I see all these uh, cover reveals where the author's like look at my cover and it's like okay but someone drew that cover yeah. like you didn't make mm. that um <laughs> And I'm just like, it's nice to be congratulated. It, it just feels, as an artist, it feels so weird to me to see people being like, congrats on your cover when I'm like, but you didn't make that. Like, it's for your book that you wrote, but you did not make that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I And, and can I just say, like, I had this, I recently, not recently like a couple months ago, revealed my cover and it's an illustrated cover. And people kept on being like, like, oh, um, like, congratulations, like, to me. And I was like, do I just say thank you? Like, like, how do you respond to that? Like, 
what as like they mean well they want to be like this cover is beautiful <laughs> i say <laughs> like it's so I, hard I, the, I i well i think tagging the uh artist in the original tweet is like key because then mm-hmm. they will also get all the messages but then if someone says something like like that like oh my god congratulations i'll be like it was all lizzie it was all lorena <laughs> like i'm always talking about the people who make my covers because like they like because of them people notice my books um and whatever chance i get i i sometimes i even feel like am i tagging them too much when i when i tweet about my books because i don't want to annoy them but they've told me like no it's it's really nice actually so I just keep doing it and I put it on my website like everywhere basically I can put it I put it because people will think that you did the cover yourself people yeah, who people don't know who any aren't better in the industry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's really um and I think those are I think those are all like fantastic suggestions if if you are revealing a cover you know definitely tag the person in the original tweet like I, I feel like there is you cannot credit our because they are credited so little to begin with you know what mm-hmm. I mean a thousand percent yeah well, it, I know that's totally true I um I tagged my artist in the tweet and then I was like seeing all the notifications and I felt bad and then I went to their page and they have like like 300,000 followers of I was course like, they do <laughs> I was like they are so much more like <laughs> famous and popular than anything that I could provide to their platform. Like, they're probably fine. But I mean, it's the, it's the thought that counts, you know, even if they have 300,000 followers. Like, I'm sure they appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that, especially for a graphic novel, like, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing a graphic novel and someone says congrats as the writer, I feel like you have an obligation to be like, thanks, but it was all, like, you know, your artist. Um, that's... <laughs> That's what I do for, I mean, the only time I've ever been the writer was on, um, was on an issue of, of Dream Daddy for Oni Press, which was a really fun project, but like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) But like Ryan, the artist, like their, you know, their talent was what brought the, the, um, the story to life. And it was like, I did, I feel like I did nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think that's really good. I uh, a thing that like I recently started doing was you know how authors um, will write like at when you write a quote unquote review for your own book in Goodreads, but like what you're really doing is you're putting like content warnings and stuff. Um, I'll put in the I'll put in the credits for the cover artists and stuff because Goodreads doesn't have a section for that. Huh. Well, excuse me. So I'm not. Um, I'm not actually on Goodreads. <laughs> I, I have, I'm not lying when I say like, I've never looked at Goodreads in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a life. Uh, what a beautiful life you lead. <laughs> I feel like it keeps my skin clear and you know, yep. uh, my hair black. Um. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah well, I guess now you're learning that there's there's no place there's like a place for like you know the publisher and you know what edition it is and all that information but there's no place to credit the the cover designers and the illustrators that should definitely be part sorry go ahead no I was just gonna say that I just said that's so silly 
It is silly. I feel like it should definitely be part of um, the metadata for a book when it gets uploaded onto um, like Goodreads or Edelweiss or, you know, any of those sites or like NetGalley. Um, that should definitely be in the, the metadata itself. And I, I feel like the subdivisions between awesome. author and illustrator are also really silly because when it comes to comics, um, there's this like weird dichotomy of prioritizing the writer um, like when it gets posted mm -hmm. as a hyperlink, it'll say like, you know, this book by so-and-so, but like that the writer will not have been the one doing the majority of the work. So I feel like there has to be a better, um, a better way to like denote that division of labor. Mm -hmm. That's very true. It's very true. Um, so, so is you know, we talked about cover art and I, I'm sorry that I'm like pretty much just like forcing you to like give advice to people. But like, I do think like this is something that, you know, there are people like you out there who are like tweeting it, but like people will scroll past it and not really see it. Um, but the other thing where our authors really interact with art is fan art or character cards and things like that. Um, and I do see like how there is kind of like, this weird thing of like, shouldn't, isn't okay for an author to like take fan art and then use that to promote their book? Like, is it okay for an author and how, and what are, what should they be allowed to do and what should they be doing in order to make sure the proper credit is being given? I mean, um, it really depends on how the individual artist feels. Like I know some people, you know, they don't like reposts period. Um, I know some people don't mind. Um, it really depends on the artist. Uh, but yeah, if you are using fan art to promote your book, I feel like definitely some compensation must be given to the artist, right? Like at least toss them a, at least toss mm -hmm. them a, a tip on Kofi, if nothing else. Um, or if they have a Patreon, like throw them a few bucks or a PayPal or like a virtual tip jar. Like a lot of artists have virtual tip jars. Um, that you can mm -hmm. throw them a few bucks their way, but uh, I think it's yeah. If you, I mean, you know, if you're were if you're an an author looking to commission an artist for some like say pre-order goodies, um, you should have a contract with that person, like a written contract. Mm -hmm. I don't often do um, projects for other folks' books, but when I do, I send a freelance. I send like a contract that stipulates that like basically I am providing you with this art that you may use to promote your book but I can also use it in my portfolio um are entitled to mm -hmm. a certain number of revisions um you're entitled to like two rounds of revisions so if I send you a sketch and you say this needs to change and I send you another sketch and you say this needs to change um that's that's it uh and then I then like I send you the final art, but if I, but like, if you okayed the sketch and I sent you the final art and you said, oh, like some, something small about this needs to change, like that will count too. But after a certain number, like round of revisions, um, you should be paying them more, you yeah. know, mostly to deal with a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if you don't, I like, here's the thing. I feel like if you are commissioning someone, um, you should, you should like their work and, you know, want to 
I don't know, be open to working with their vision, right? And not being so precious and so picky about what they give to you because they are providing you a service. Um, yeah. And like, I understand, you know, wanting to get your money's worth or whatever, but like, I mean, look in the grand scheme of things, like paying someone a couple hundred bucks to do some character commission, like that's not a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so yeah, like, you know, be, I'm, I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is like, be reasonable. Like, thankfully, all the people that I work with have been angels and like very reasonable and very like, commun- like clear when they communicate. Um, this is what I want. This is what I was thinking. If you're commissioning someone, you should always um, provide like a Pinterest board or a folder of references. Um, you should always just be like as not overly descriptive, but you should definitely have an idea of what you want. And if you want to leave it up to the artist's vision like that, that's okay too. But, you know, just know that the less specific you are about what you want, um, the more you're going to have to trust the other person will know that like what you like mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah. awesome well th- th- thanks for thanks for bearing with me and answering all my <laughs> my questions <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know I I feel like um people get weirdly intimidated by artists and I'm like no we're all just like you know a bunch of anxious nerds too <laughs> I think it's kind of like um, partly like such respect for someone who makes something that you're like, how is that even possible? It like seems superhuman that you can make such beautiful art with your fingers. And then part of it is like that there's such, there's like, I guess there's not a lot of cross communication it seems, which is so weird because we interact so, our communities do interact so much in so many ways, but like maybe not in the ways that are like providing the information that people should be having yeah I feel and I I feel like um I mean I feel like the there's a definite lack of you know people who do visual medium whether it's artists a like cover artists ad comic book people at like conferences at um, book fairs and all of this stuff because when people think books they think you know prose but Mm -hmm. um especially in the world we live in today where so much of uh, our so much happens online and like you know these websites these platforms are formatted so that you are visually engaging with them right like Instagram is all about pictures um, mm-hmm. and you know people are making book trailers because we're respond like like there's just you know no no one's like taking out an ad in a magazine but even if you were taking out an ad in a magazine like you want something well designed there's elements of design in everything we do and people don't even realize that um I think that's I think that's just a shame like um I I think there's just from the minute that we are taught to like the difference between reading and writing um everyone, you know, prioritize the difference between, sorry, um, reading and writing and drawing, everyone decides that like one, you know, both of those things are uh, more important than drawing. Um, Mm -hmm. When in reality, like I I teach uh, high school comics classes and um, making comics by Linda Berry is one of my really big, um, it's kind of like my, my textbook. 
that I use to teach kids. And I highly recommend that everyone read this book who wants to make comics because Linda Berry is so approachable and she's so good about um, teaching people how to get them, like how to get people drawing even if they don't have any technical skill or like, like she's all about embracing the the bad art, so to speak. Yeah, it's really good. But Linda Berry, you know, she works with four-year-olds a lot. And she talks a lot about how when you are that young, there is no difference between writing and drawing for these ki- for these little, little kids. And, um, and how, like, as soon as that, you know, differentiation starts, then, like, people, a lot of people just stop drawing. And, she, like, her... Philosophy, a lot of it is about bringing you back to the time you were so young and, you know, not self-conscious about the lines you were putting down on a piece of paper, um, which I think is amazing. But I think, but yeah, I don't know. Um, It's, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, I I went on a prehistory, like, deep dive this past year, you know, hashtag (laughs) pandemic hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it, 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 I, I think it kind of like just occurred to me this year. Like the, the, the first things that people were doing before there was writing, there was art. You know, they were telling stories on cave walls with paintings. Um, and, and then you know, I have this theory that I was like, wow. So they, when cuneiform was invented, you know, the first empire started rising, and then. And then, like, we had capitalism, and I'm like, ah, so, like, I blame writing for bringing us capitalism. Um, but, no, um, like, cuneiform and, you know, pictograph scripts and everything, like, those all started from, uh, from drawings. Um, so there is, so I think these distinctions that we have between like what's writing and what's drawing are very kind of arbitrary and quite and silly. Um, so I think that, I don't know, looking at like ancient history, like ha- has honestly given me like so much perspective on like, you know, what is writing, what is drawing? Um, how do we react to words versus how do we react to like to art? Um, and I don't think people realize this, but like neurologically, the the part of your brain that processes images is like, different from the part of your brain that processes words um so there is like and and i think learning to work in image it's a different skill set than maybe what a lot of people think comics is which is like oh i'm just gonna write like a bunch of prose and someone's gonna draw pictures over it right like that's not Mm -hmm. what a comic Mm -hmm. is yeah yeah very true. It's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for people who have not read um, Mooncakes and or Tide Song yet, do you want to give us like a quick summary of both graphic novels? Yeah, sure. Um, Mooncakes is a queer uh, paranormal romance set in New England between a witch and a werewolf. Um, there is. Uh, there's a demon horse with six legs. Um, <laughs> it's so amazing already. Like I can't. There's a there's there's a cult. Um, there are lots of. Um, there's I, I think Mooncakes is is just like a really sweet like fall story. 
Um, I chose like very autumn hues for the for the colors, um, and I just really wanted to explore like a cute high school love story. Um, and um, Tide Song is about a young witch who moves to the seaside to train in magic. Um, she's very prideful, and then she um, she completely you know mess things up because she's so prideful and she ends up trapping uh, a young dragon in human form and they have to work together to get him home um and he's also oh. lost all of his memories <laughs> so yeah um so tide song is about the first big i think it tide song is really about the first big decision you make as a kid like do i um choose one way or do i choose the path that my parents are trying to tell me to follow like what do I do mm -hmm. um, so yeah they are um they're both pretty they're different from each other like I I really want every single project I do to be different um so I think tonally they're different from each other uh even though um well <laughs> the third book I'm, I'm thinking about the third book I'm working on I'm like totally that's also very different um <laughs> <laughs> but I think the sensibilities of Mooncakes and Tide Song are similar like it's about warmth and family and um you know finding solace in the people you love and care about oh I love yeah. that and both those premises sound so fun and so cool um and you're just you're you're a fountain of knowledge for all of this kind of stuff really appreciate you talking to us about it all and helping you know newer um artists who are coming up sort of navigate uh, their way through this uh confusing and uh wild industry yeah absolutely it's sure it's bonkers because i feel like I don't know. I almost feel like I'm not even like that qualified to give advice because it, it's so different than when I first entered. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I feel like, you know, staying off Goodreads. <laughs> 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 this is really all about staying off Goodreads this whole episode. It's really, <laughs> it's really just, you know, <laughs> shut the fuck up, do your work and stay off Goodreads. <laughs> I, I think agree with that's the this. title of this episode, except for without the cursing, because our episodes can't have curse. Our episode titles can't have cursing in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a lesson that worth learning and very important for sure. Yeah, um, and I feel like because uh, comics take such a long time to do that, um, I feel like it, it's a waste of time just looking at what other people think who are not like your editor or your friends. Um, I think it's just a waste of time to consider the opinions of, of too many people, right? They're, they're you, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You spill the soup everywhere and someone slips and, you know, breaks an arm or something, <laughs> but like in your head. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Okay, Wendy, everyone who's on the podcast tells us either their most embarrassing publishing related story or something they wish they know before they started. You could do either or you could do both. It's up to you. Oh my God. Um, 
I'm trying to I um okay so uh hilariously um me and uh Michelle Yu who wrote The Girl King um who is a wonderful writer yeah as well so I I keep I kept being like, oh my god, we both have dyed short blonde hair. Someone's going to be racist and mistake us for each other. It's going to happen. I just know <laughs> it. I know it. Um, and um, I went to Michelle's book launch for The Girl King, and her mom said to me, she goes, oh, you look like Michelle. I'm like, oh, this is a call. coming from inside the house. Oh, no. <laughs> um, that, was, that was embarrassing, but also, like, hilarious. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> so, Wendy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think you might be one of our first illustrators. So, sorry that we barraged you with all of our <laughs> questions that we've been holding deep down inside. <laughs> oh my God, of course. <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, I don't know. I feel like because I've worked in both um, like YA pros just as a matter of like my my old job where I was just reviewing all the books and like comics it just like like put me in this unique position and I you know sometimes it's sometimes it can be frustrating but like I I don't mind when you know people are forthright and um and they they are you know they they ask questions when they have them instead of sitting there and be like well I don't know what to do so it's good we really appreciate it thank you so much um can you tell everyone uh, all our listeners where they can find you on the internet yeah sure so um my Instagram is art of Wendy Shoe uh, all one word um and then my uh, Twitter is angry girl comics which is a holdover from college and I'm very attached to that <laughs> username. <laughs> I I really like it also. <laughs> I think it's great. All right. Well, thank you again. It was lovely to have you on the show. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabel A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word. <laughs>